Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and enter into worship. So glad to see you all here this morning. Are you glad to be together? Amen. Praise God. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth and in a manner that he is worthy of. Amen.
That's all right. Let's worship this for a moment. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It's so good to be in his presence. Praise the name of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is here. It is here in the mighty way right now. And we want, before you're seated, we want to go before the Lord in prayer. And uh, if you look around today, we've got a lot of people missing. And uh, we've been blessed since February, as far as we know. We've only had three members of our church uh, come down with COVID. And we're thankful for that. Um, but we've got several out today because they've been exposed to it. So they're in quarantine. And we want to thank you for your caution when it comes to this pandemic and uh, we're thankful that there's even a couple people here that are back now from being quarantined not because they had it but because they were exposed to it and we want to thank you for that we understand and if you're sitting today watching this this afternoon and you're one of those that are not here because of that we want to thank you and we are praying for you and for those that have contracted COVID we pray for them all the time that the Lord has given them strength to overcome this virus. And so we want to just put a blanket prayer out there today for all of those that are dealing with COVID or those that are in quarantine. Uh, I know some of you are, that have come out of quarantine, you're just thankful to get outside of your door and uh, gone stir crazy. And so we want to just pray for those that are in quarantine right now, those that are dealing with it. We also want to pray for uh, Tony Welsh's neighbor's father, I think his name is James Rademacher, and uh, he needs a touch from the Lord today, and that has been brought up to us, so we want to pray for him, that the Lord would just do a mighty work, and then there's all kinds of things that are just happening, we want you to keep the past family in your prayers, uh, some of you know who they are from uh, being here before, and uh, Carrie went on to be with the Lord this last week, and so we want to wrap Ted and the kids and the families around God's arms around them in comfort and prayer. So let's just do that before we're seated. Let's just reach out to the King of Kings that we just sang about. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing among us. I am praying now that you would just go to those that have contracted COVID. Let your divine strength overcome them and overwhelm them and take away this virus and give them divine strength. Lord, I'm praying for those that are now in quarantine because they've been exposed. Keep them protected, O oh God. Lord, not only from the virus, but Lord, in the, the coming days where they're uh, staying at home and, and keeping away from people. Be their comfort, Lord. You said that you would go with us even to the end of the wor world. And I'm praying that you would walk with them even now in the name of Jesus. Let them feel the prayers of this church. Go through the airwaves, God, I pray, as they watch this at home. I'm asking you, Lord, to let your presence that's here today go right into their living room or bedroom or wherever they may be watching this. I'm asking you, God, to do it in a miraculous way. Lord, we pray for Mr. Rademacher, God, that you would touch him. Lord, you see what actually needs to be done, even beyond what the physician can see. And I'm asking you to step in and be the great physician and let a miracle take place. And let the power of the Holy Ghost move over that hospital room even now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
And we pray, Lord, for divine comfort. You said you would not leave us comfortless, but that you would come to us. I release comfort to the past family today, God, that you would allow them to sense the sweeping of your spirit across their lives. In the midst of this loss, we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving. All dominion and power is yours. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise the name of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for your prayers. You may be seated in his name. Uh, I am excited about what God is doing. Even in the midst of everything we're dealing with. If you watch Wednesday night service, you'll know it, it kind of came over me in the bedroom here in the basement office. The anointing of the Lord, I just felt the power of God so strongly. He is going to do something, or he is already doing it, but we're going to see the expression of it here, I believe, very shortly, of things that he's doing behind the scenes that we can't recognize even yet, that we can't fathom even yet because of all of the stuff that is distracting our attention for good reason, but they're still distracting us. And uh, But I, I believe... I, I stand with Elijah's servant. I see the cloud the size of a man's hand, and it's getting ready to pour buckets. And uh, I believe that very strongly today. I just have to tell you that in a minute I'll get into my message, but I am pumped for Christ today. There was, there was a shifting that took place last week in my spirit. I'm just about tired of the politics. I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm tired of all the junk that we're dealing with. And God has started stirring up my spirit to speak above all of that. And so we're going to do that with the help of the Lord here in a minute. Because I believe the Lord is trying to transform the entire church. But especially this church. Because this is the church that I'm involved in. I believe that God is trying to flip us on uh, upside down, if you will. He's trying to turn us inside out, not because he wants to see us struggle, but he wants to see us victorious. And uh, I believe he's going to do that. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, you'll turn to Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to read two verses there. And I want to remind you, Lord willing, and if he should tarry and nothing else happens, we want to have our Christmas concerts. On December 5th and December 6th, it's a Saturday evening at 6 o'clock and a Sunday afternoon at 2. There will be no service here on that Sunday. That Sunday afternoon will be the service for that day. But we are asking you to go to spiritofgracechurch.org uh, to purchase tickets. They're only $5. And uh, I would, I, I've been to all kinds of places. Our family loves Branson and you can't get into one of their concerts without paying 55 or 60 dollars and uh, our our team is just as good yeah. and so we want to challenge you uh, five dollars is not much buy some for your friends and invite them and uh, we uh, are Saturday. both services pretty much are a third of the way full right now so you need to get online right away and get your tickets reserved uh, we, we can only seat about 100 people each each service and uh, because we're still trying to do our very best to uh, align to the COVID restrictions. And uh, so we, we have about 100 seats per service. 
And uh, I think we're at like 35 or almost 40 in each one, so maybe a little more than a third of the way there. So we want to encourage you to get right on that. Uh, praise God. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 and 7. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Yeah. I want to say that again. Yeah. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. So let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife, that's you and me, hath made herself ready. Are you ready for Jesus? The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And I want to preach on that, that simple topic. I should say nonsense, but it's pretty profound. But he is the Lord God Amen. who omnipotently reigns. Praise God. Praise God. I believe that very strongly. Praise God. I, I, I forgot just before I get into it. I do need some help from some of you young men that are strong. Maybe some of you old men that are strong too. I don't know. Right now I'm restricted to lift. But all that furniture has to come in here after church if you can give us a hand because this is a polling place on Tuesday. And so we've got to create room out there for them to get in to vote. So if you can help me get all the stuff into here, I'd appreciate it. They'll be here setting up tomorrow night. But even though they're setting up, we are having Grace College in the office tomorrow night. Praise God. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. I have a question for you to start this message today. And that is what... You have to take an honest quiz. Okay, nobody will know but you, so be honest with yourself. What is the focal point of your life? Or what is the center of your universe? For some people, the center of their universe is their home. If their home is good, then everything else is good. If if there's no leaks in the pipes and the heat works and the air works and it's not falling apart, that, that's their focal point. If they can get everything at home, including their families, to work right, then everything is good. That's, their, that's the center of their universe. For some people, the center of their universe or the focal point of their universe is their job, their work, their career. If I can just make it in my career, what I have chosen, what I even sometimes what I believe that God has done it. I will just tell you there are some preachers who the focal point has become the church and the business of the church, and that shouldn't be just on a side. We'll get to that later on. But, but the, the, the focal point is their work. Some have a focal point of health and happiness. Health and happiness is a huge one in the world today. In fact, it's right in our Constitution, the pursuit of happiness. We, we have something to, that, that we want to have be happy and healthy, and, and we're hearing it in the political world left and right, health and happiness, health and happiness, health and happiness. One of the biggest industries in the nation around the world are, number one, all the different kinds of creams that can make you appear to be younger. And appearances are deceiving. Because they can't make you younger. They can't make you, they can maybe make you feel younger for a moment or two, but they can't change the progression of your life. You're getting older, and I'm getting older, and we can't help it. It's the way things are. The second, big, one of the second biggest industries 
is the fitness craze. Is the fit, uh, you drive by some of our fitness centers around here. LA Fitness always has a packed parking lot. Ex, uh, experience has, you've got experience, you've got Planet Fitness, you've got Fitness Anytime, one of the smaller ones right up here, I can't remember All over the place, you can find your health, if you will. And uh, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed how they promote all of that, though. I have yet to see somebody in an LA fitness commercial or an experience commercial looking like me. <laughs> They've already overcome the weight situation and you see them going 100 miles an hour, an hour on that Peloton bike. I can't last for two seconds. I'll fall over and it's a stationary bike. You don't see those commercials, do you? I don't know why some of you are laughing at me. <laughs> So home, work, health, happiness, that becomes the focal point of too many of our universes, too many of our lives. But the book of Revelation starts, and John, the revelator, is beginning at the very beginning of this, and he says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, the center point and the focal point is God omnipotent reigning. It, it cannot be anything else. It's got to be who is God and why did he manifest himself in flesh and become a man? Even in his humanity, Jesus' focal point on earth was always pointing back to his divinity and the divineness of himself and, 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 and address the fact that God is still in control, that God will always be in control. And the minute you think it's out of control, you're the one mistaken, not him. You see, Jesus believes in the home. He encourages a strong home. He encourages us to have peace at home and to take care of the home. He even knew what it was like to work because he was raised in a carpenter shop. By him, and he was an apprentice to his father. By manners and customs, most of the children followed in the footsteps of their parents and they learned how to do things based on what their parents did. So we can trust that Jesus learned how to do some woodworking. Think of that. The one that created the wood was now working with the wood. It was not health and happiness. Even though everywhere he went, he healed people and he talked to people and they felt better about themselves. But his number one purpose in coming to this world was so that you and I could see and have a testimony that he was in control. That he was God and omnipotent. Amen. If you don't know what omnipotent means, it means all powerful. All powerful. That means there's nobody that has power outside of his power. They can have a fake power. They can have a fake authority. They can have, but other things flows from him because all power has been given unto him. And so if your answer is home, work, health, happiness, there is the greater and higher and deeper point or central point or focus that should be God. Reigns. Is that what your life is reflecting? Is that what your neighbors are seeing from you? Is that what your co-workers are gathering from you? Are they gathering that in the midst of all of what 
what's going on in the world today that the God that you serve is still in control? Or have you gone down into the doldrums with them? Have you begun to panic like they began to panic? Have you been overwhelmed by the things? Or have you taken a step back and say, it, that no matter what happens, you can see the state like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Naked came I into the world, naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, we've got to get to the place where every the, the power behind every one of our thoughts and every one of our brains and every beat of our hearts and every breath of our body needs to express God. Our thought processes, our heart, our mind, our voices, our body needs to be God. The element within which you live and move and have your being must be God. You see... It needs to be that denominator. Everything else measures off of God is in control. You see, it is the conviction that God is in control that led Christ to Calvary. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but your will be done. He, he, said, it, he said, all power is given unto me. But when all power was given unto him, what did Jesus do? Shut his mouth. You see, I have avoided, even though I've had to bite my tongue a few times, on, fa on Facebook and social media, all of the political arguments. Because if you start arguing politically, it's not going to make a hill of beans. All you're doing is arguing your side versus their side. And they may be right and you may be right, but it isn't going to matter because you're both wrong because you're both just fighting. Amen. The bottom line of all things politic, the, the bottom line of all things pandemic, the bottom of all things American culture, the bottom line of all things the world is Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is high lifted up, and His train fills the temple. I don't know about you. When Jesus had the opportunity to take everything into control at that moment, if I was in the house that day and Jesus was standing before Pilate and He was saying, "All power is given unto Me," I was saying, "Yeah, Jesus, go ahead, put it right between His eyes." Smacking around the little Jesus, he deserves it. He hasn't been very good. He hasn't been very kind to your people. Go ahead and take control. Use a little bit of that power. Fight back against it. Stand against it. Move against it. War against it. But we would have been failures because Jesus understood that it wasn't about winning the argument. It wasn't about winning the day. It was about winning the war. It wasn't about winning that particular battle, but it was about standing at the last day, having created a way for you and I to get back to him. Had he chosen in that moment to exercise the power that was his, the power and the authority that was his, you and I wouldn't stand a chance to be where we are today, but because he closed his mouth and did not debate or argue, but went to a cross, you and I had the opportunity to sit in this house and feel his presence and dwell in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. It's that kind of conviction that turns ordinary people like you and I, the men and women that Christ is unashamed about. Can I tell you why I don't like the even years in America? 
because they're election years. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to go out and vote on Tuesday. I want you to stand for the principles that you believe in by casting your vote. But can I just tell you, every two years, the only thing that comes out of it is arguments and fighting? It doesn't matter. You've got your favorite. I've got my favorite. Paul's got his favorite. And Dwayne's got his. It doesn't matter who's the favorite. It doesn't matter really even who wins. That's the point. The point is simply this. If your focal point is God omnipotent reigning, you can dwell in the secret places of him whether your kingdom wins or doesn't win. All I know is this. God, according to Romans chapter 13, is in control. And if the person that you don't want gets elected on Tuesday, then trust that God has a bigger plan. And if it's one that you do like, trust that God has a bigger plan. Because it's not about who wins the election. It's not about how we overcome the pandemic. It's about where does our mind and our heart and our thought process live inside. It's in the kingdom of God. It's in the throne room of heaven where the Lord God omnipotent reigns. See, when you get that perspective of who God is and where he is, it totally transforms the way you operate in this life. It liberates you. It gives you a freedom and a sense of absolute release from all of the things that have worn you down. And I don't know about you. I do know about you because I've talked to a lot of you. We have become overwhelmed with the things that are going on around us. We have become overwhelmed with the fact that our kids are can't go to school. And at work we're wearing masks. And at church we're wearing masks. And we're not being able to move. And restaurants can help us and can't help us. And, and it, our normal life has been turned inside out. And all of it's going on around us. But when you get your eyes in the proper place and your eyes go into the right palace, when you step into the throne room of God, things begin to change. You think about it. We all deal with petty worries. You say, well, Pastor, I don't ever worry about petty worries. Well, that's because you haven't talked to me. Because I tell you what they were. But to you, they're really big. And I've got petty worries in my life that are huge to me that you would think, that's nothing. You see, petty worries operate on one level. It's individual. And so the man that is, or woman that is dealing with something that they cannot control, which most of us would think is a petty worry, a petty issue, it's something that's troubling us in a petty way, and, and until the peace of our soul has been destroyed and the old outlook of our life has been warped and all of the sky is obliterated by the, the, the fog and the clouds and the over and the brewing of a storm, that's when we have to step back and say, no, my Lord God omnipotent reigns. Robert Browning said it this way, it's looking downward that makes one dizzy. Where have you been looking? When you look down, when you get up to the heights, what do they tell you? Don't look down. Don't look down. I'm telling somebody here today, stop looking down. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up the everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Can't do anything about those anyhow. 
when you have your perspective in the throne room of grace where the king that has all power reigns, you are released from the fear of life. Especially the fear of doing something too great. Where we think that we're not good enough, strong enough, we don't have the right resources. In the middle of the night, we toss and we turn. I can't do this. I can't make this. I can't understand this. Can I just tell you that if God is calling you to it, then God has already equipped you for it? Listen, we sang about it today. Lead me where my feet can't just stand on solid ground. Go into the depths, God. Take me where all fear is around me. Trepidation is around me. And let me just hold on to the hand of the master that controls it all. Because when I see the king that uh, reigns omnipotently, I can trust in him. That when I'm just about ready to sink, I'll find solid ground underneath me. Even if I'm floating in the deep waters of faith. Amen. It releases us from man-made boundaries. John Mott said this, as the Dr. John Mott, he was sharing in an interview one day, and and the conversation came up that he had interviewed a man by the name of Dr. Chang, who was a great Christian leader in the country of China. And the the, uh, Dr. Chang began the, the conversation and said, Would it not be a great thing for all of us Christians in China to unite and double in the next five years? And Dr. Mott said, well, how many are there now? And he said, 435,000. To which Dr. Mott replied, it's taken over 100 years to build a church in China of these dimensions. And now you want to double it in five years? And this was the amazing answer. Why not? Why not? I wish I had a dollar for every time I had been asked over the last three months, how's your church doing? All my customers know that I pastor as well as deliver their laundry. And they've all asked, well, how's your church doing? My church isn't even back in session yet. We're still online or we're not even having services right now. And And I said, well, we missed about three or four. And then we started coming back at smaller numbers. And and thankfully, God, in his wisdom, had the building done when it was done so that the capacity is still far less than 50% even today so that we could have in-person services. How's it going? I'll tell you what, sir. I'll tell you what, ma'am. We've had a lot of people come just because they can't go anywhere else. We've had people coming in and finding the presence of God because they're so hungry and thirsty and they can't find it anywhere else. Listen, why not? If God is calling us to be a church on the city, in a city on the hill that cannot be Him, and He's calling us to be salt and light, why can't we do it in the midst of a pandemic? Why can't we do it in, in the midst of social unrest? Why not? God has called this church to be a church that transformed people. I declare to you today, in the power of the Holy Ghost, we are going to more than double in just the next few months and maybe even a year because people all across this community are starving for him. 
out about us, we're just foolish enough to believe it. I want the spirit of Dr. Chang. Why not? Can I just tell you, I don't know when this a conversation took place. I tried to find a year that it was taken because he said there's about 435,000. Can I just tell you, I know the pastor in China of the underground church. I've met him on over telephone kind of thing. Now, I haven't been there. I haven't met him. But I've talked to him through a friend of mine, and he is pastoring an underground church of over 10 million people in China. Doesn't look like we do it, but there's Christians all over the world. There's Christians all over the world. Listen, we've got people in our church from overseas. They, they're, they're, they're precious people. We've got some of them with us today in Liberia. We've got friends of ours that have been in Burkina Faso. We've got friends of ours that have been in Togo. We've got friends of ours that have been in Ghana and, and Nigeria and all around the world, no matter what political structure, no matter, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm trying to get somebody to be reinvigorated, to be encouraged. I don't care what happens to the American political structure. I know this. God is in control, and God supremely reigns. And if my hand is in his hand, it may not look like we've ever done it before, but the church is going nowhere until the trumpet sounds. And when the trumpet sounds, then the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together forever in the air with the Lord. But until then, there will be a church. There will be a church. I need to say it again. There is going to be a church. Oh, my. This message today is as much a declarative statement from your pastor as it is a call to spiritual arms. Amen. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I say this all the time. It's not about the Democrats or the Republicans. It's not about right for wrong politically. It's about right and wrong spiritually. We are, we are in the midst of a spiritual battle but it doesn't matter what happens in this battle because the war has already been determined. Can I just tell you that when you come into the idea that our Lord God omnipotent reigns, it will transform your life and release you from all of these things. But the second thing that it does is it dooms sin. It proclaims the ultimate defeat of evil in every shape and form. You have to understand when John began to pen this book, he was on an island all by himself 
and he was looking out across, if you will, the, the, the parameters of time, and he recognized and understood the historic background of everything that was taking place. He understood, at least he understood as much as God revealed to him, all of the martyrdom and the smoke and the reckless cynicism and all of that. What he had at the backdrop of his mind when he began to write was the Rome of the Caesars and the Church of the Galilean. And they were locked into a death grapple. You had the nailed fist of Nero smashing its way through the hopes and the dreams of the saints of God. And what the book of Revelation does is reveal what the old psalmist said. The kings of the earth taking counsel against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Here you have, as John begins to write, the great second Babylon, mother of all abominations, drunk with the blood of Jesus' friends, laughing in the intoxication of her triumph, shrieking with the laughter to see the poor, pathetic body of Christ scattered abroad, being crushed and mangled and battered out of existence. And John picks up his pen and he begins to write. And if you and I would step behind him and look over his shoulder, some of us would expect to read about the defeat and the destruction of the church and the defeat and the destruction of Jesus' band of disciples and all that had happened to the church. But what we see is a man put defiance in the face of all the facts with the saints behind him singing, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. How could he write that? Because at the back of the world, and, and at the back of Caesar, and after all of the pomp and circumstance of Babylon, he had seen something that Caesar never saw. Something that spelled doom for Caesar and all of the sin, like Caesar's forever. He saw a throne appear above the earth, and upon the throne, the Lord God omnipotent reigning. I'm so tired of the pessimistic outlook of Christianity on earth. I'm tired of hearing about the fact that our rights are not even going to be taken away, and it's going to be this, and it's going to be that. Listen. Behind all of the stuff that you are reading and all of the stuff that you are listening to and all of the stuff that you are seeing across our great country, behind all of that is a throne that sits above all of that. I told you at the beginning it's time that I start preaching above all of this stuff that's going on. My eyes have taken and raised up a little bit and I stopped and I'm stopping to look at all of the other stuff that's going on and I'm saying, Jesus! You are in control. That's how John could get that way. Listen, the Bible says this. This is what this is what shocks me about Christians. Because they don't understand what the Bible says. I know that's surprising to some. But the Bible says this. The world is going to wax worse and worse. But be not afraid, for I have overcome the world. You see, when you realize that God is reigning omnipotently, and you have entered into a kingdom that is not of this world, 
but it's in this world. Listen, my hometown is not Coon Rapids. My hometown is not, my, my birth town is not St. Paul. Even though 50 years and a couple months ago, I was born in Bethesda Hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota. That was where my earthly, but when I was about 10 years old, I went down the waters of baptism on June 18, 1980, and I came up and I became a citizen of a kingdom that was not of this world, but in this world. Listen, I love our country, I love our country, I love our country, but I am first and foremost a stranger and a foreigner in this world. I am first and foremost a citizen of heaven, and heaven's laws do not apply. Our earth's laws do not apply to heaven. I am not under the auspices of all of the junk that we have to deal with. I can take a step back and say I will deal with it because my hand is in the hand of another kingdom. My eyes are on the eyes of glory. My feet are already walking by faith on streets of gold down sea of crystal. I'm looking at my dad's face and my grandma's face and my aunt's face and my uncle's face. By faith I'm already there. It's the reason why John could close out this book by saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I don't know about you, but it would not break my heart in one said if the trumpet of God sounded today. It would not break my heart if the next step I took was in glory. Because I am not of this world, I'm just passing through. Because my King of Kings yeah. is the Lord God, who omnipotently reigns. Oh, I pray that somebody in this house hears this today, or somebody that's watching hears it today. The psalmist said it this way, honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The God of glory thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips forests bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! Then he says this, the Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. This psalm is a dramatic picture of the flood. I don't know what I would have done if I was part of the children of Israel that day. When the army of Pharaoh was behind me and the Red Sea was in front of me. I don't know what I would have done when the waters went back and Moses in his audacity said, let's walk across this sea on dry ground. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what 
that would have been like. But this psalmist is the picture of the flood. He's looking back across the ages and in his imagination, he can see that the horror of the waters encroaching. Thank you. I don't know if it'll help, but thank you. <laughs> Maybe make you thirsty, though. <laughs> thank you, sir. Praise God. The waters are beating down. I'm all fragile human defenses built around them. And uh, until the men and the women stare at these waters and they felt the terror clutching at their spirits and their, and, and their children and all the end of the world seemed high and all of that, the psalmist sees something different. He sees the Lord sat as the king of the flood. Listen, we are living in the flood waters of life today. As Jesus said, the rain descends and the floods come and the winds blow and beat upon the house until your whole structure of things shake. Your philosophy of life is threatening to come toppling down. What about the happiness that you've been trying to build for you and your family? What about everything that you've been trying to put together throughout your years? The hopes that you cherish and the heart's desire that you have. And then thunder and rolling mountain high waves and a pandemic that shuts everything down. And people getting sick and people passing and things happening. And the water seems to be going all over us. An old picture of us sitting in a ship being battered by the waves of life. Can I just tell somebody today, find comfort in the fact that he is the king of the flood. The Bible says he sits on it. Can you imagine being in that boat that day when the storms were going and Jesus was sound asleep in the bottom of the boat? The people that night learned a strong lesson of the grace of God. There is something higher in human experience than the waves and the storms of our life. There is a Christ who rules the waves. I can look at tomorrow because I know who's in control of my tomorrow. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Bill Gaither wrote a song years and years ago, and just about everybody that's been around the church world probably has at least heard it once or twice, but it's an old hymn that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can, have you discovered the king that is reigning omnipotently in your life? Has he become your Lord? Has he become your Savior? Has he become your central point? Has he become the focus of your life? Has he become the focus of your universe? Or have you still tried, or let me just bring it real down to you like we brought in the past. Is he the hub of your wheel or is he a spoke in it? Is he just part of who you are, just something that you do, something that you, or is it something that you have become? Have you tried to live your life with God on the outskirts every once in a while, getting into the center, but you are, your, your life is too busy with this and too busy with that, and you've got this and you've got that, and you've got your job and you've got your family and you've got the cabin and you've got the lake and you've got the golf course and you've got all kinds of things going on, and if I can just find enough time, I'll squeeze God in for a couple hours on Sunday, maybe a couple hours on Wednesday, or have you transitioned and you have made him the hub of your life, the central point of your life? 
the focal point of your universe, that when you look at your kids, you treat your kids as though they are the creation of God because they are. When you look at your job, it's a blessing from the Lord instead of something that you have to do, something that's trying to meet you. When you're dealing with your friends and your neighbors and all of the political stuff that's going on, are you looking at it as that's consuming your life? Or are you taking a step back and saying, it doesn't really matter what's getting ready to happen because I am in the kingdom of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to keep me no matter what, and he's going to bless me no matter what. When Jesus hung on the cross, can I just tell you, it wasn't to make him feel good. I've been dealing with a month, a little over a month now, just on three little fingertips being cracked and cut open. And Jesus back, probably from the shoulders to his ankles, were ripped wide open so that the scripture would be fulfilled by his stripes. I've dealt with this for a couple of weeks. He had a crown of thorns, thorns probably about that long that were hard, that weren't gently, we've done dramas and we've tried to gently set the crown on, on our person playing Jesus. They didn't do that, they jammed it on his head and hit it with reeds, so they drove in. It wasn't a fun thing. I, I don't mean to be gross, but it wasn't a nice thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a beautiful thing. Why did he do it? I've often heard he said, that it said, he did it for you and for me. And that's true to a certain extent. But this week I've started looking at it a little different. He did it so that you and I could see who was ruling and reigning. Can I just tell you, if Calvary didn't destroy the church, neither will the pandemic. We have been a blessed nation for a couple of hundred years. I don't know what the outcome of this election or the next election. It, it, it depends on how long the Lord tarries, and I don't know what America is going to look like down the road. I don't give you any promises. All I know is this. Every country in the world under no matter what political system, capitalism, socialism, in every country, there's a church. Except the countries that haven't been reached land yet. You can go into the jungles. You can go into the, 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 the metro areas. You can go into all kinds of areas all around the world. And God has people planted. Because God omnipotently He has come again to you today and to me today. And he is asking you a question. In fact, the Bible says it this way. He stands at the door and knocks. 
more tender than the kiss of a little child, more mighty than the flashing lightnings of heaven. He stands at your door and he knocks. And only you can answer this question. Will your answer be you out there at the door? You've been haunting and troubling me all these years. Be gone and leave in peace. Or is it Lord Almighty who reigns omnipotently? My life is yours. Amen. I invite you to stand right now. You know how I usually come up with my messages that it's very rare that God gives me a message several weeks or months in advance. I'm a week-to-week -week kind of preacher. I'm, that's not every preacher, but I'm a week-to-week -week kind of preacher. If you ask me what I was going to preach next Sunday, I would tell you I have no idea. In fact, if you ask me next Saturday, I may say I have no idea. <laughs> that's just the way God works through me. Every preacher is different. Every system that, that, that pastors operate in is different, but I am a weekly pastor. So this message was not something that I planned weeks ago to time with the fact that election day is Tuesday. But between my message last week and my message this week, I believe that God is trying to get our attention not to get consumed with what's going on on a horizontal level, but get consumed what's going on in the kingdom that really counts. And whoever is elected on Tuesday, whether it be Vice President Biden or President Trump, whichever one gets elected on Tuesday, the church is still going to be the church. And God is still going to bring revival. If you and I stand hand in hand with him, I believe I, I, I didn't declare that loose lipped style or in the flow of the message. The Lord began last night and early this morning, more this morning while I was sitting in my office. I was listening to a song. I had, I, I told my wife, by the way, I couldn't find it anywhere. It, it's on there. She's going to just have to learn it on her own. Challenge her. But it's the, the, the theme of the song is there are things right around the corner that's getting ready to explode. And the prayer of the song is let it start in me. Amen. Let it begin right here. Let it begin at Spirit of Grace Church. Could this church be the springboard for the next Azusa revival? Could this, this church, why not? Why not? Because the Lord God omnipotently reigns. If you're here today, I'm, asking, I'm going to ask you, just everybody raise your hands. As we have done for the last several months, because of the COVID situation, this entire sanctuary has become the altar area. As they get ready to sing, here's what I want you to do. If you feel so led, I want you to begin to declare what kingdom you're in. Maybe you don't have it all figured out. That's all right. Declare it by faith. God, I am in the kingdom that you reign. God, I'm done getting tied up, tangled up, and twisted up with all of the philosophies of this world. Just give me Jesus. 
I'm tired of dealing with all of the stress and the over overwhelming heaviness and the overwhelming weight of that which is going around. The Bible says, let's lay aside the weight. I'm yours, God. Lord, come hell or high water, my hand is in the hand of the master. No matter what happens in my life, no matter what happens around me, no what happens in our community, I'm going to hold on to the hand of the hand, Lord, that, 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 that takes me to glory, that leads me into glory. The old song that says, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. I look forward to the day where I can see Jesus face to face. Until then, by faith, I'm holding on to the kingdom that he rules and reigns over. Some of you have been inundated by a flood this last week, last couple of weeks, even a couple of months. And you are totally and completely worn out. Can I just tell you in this moment, the king of the flood can enter your life. And his word says that he will bring peace and comfort in the midst of your storm. Because he's riding on the waves of the storm. One last thing. We like talking about Jesus walking on water. We like that story, don't we? What was it that caused Simon Peter to sink? He got his eyes off Jesus, yes. But what does the Bible say he was looking at? He was looking at the waves. Which tells me something. Jesus doesn't need a smooth sea to get to where you are. He walks on the ways to where you are. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with right now. You may be overwhelmed with life, but Jesus is the one that's walking to you. Jesus, I now pray over this congregation. You see where each person is at. You see where each struggle has been. God, I declare that this is the kingdom of heaven where the Lord God omnipotent reigns. You are in control, and we put our agendas into your hands. We put our dreams into your hands. Lord God, if somebody here is being overwhelmed by life right now, especially no, to, to no reason of their own. It's just happening around them. Some are so overwhelmed by the political structures of the world right now. Some are overwhelmed by this pandemic. I am asking you, God, to reveal yourself like you did to John. Let them see you as the Lord God omnipotent reigning. Let them see you on your throne room right now. Let them see you in control of their situation right now. And let the peace that passes understanding sounds. In Jesus' name.
Thank you.